Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. Here at Modern Mom Probs, we try to solve the world's modern mom problems, but if we can't solve them, at least we're having fun talking about them. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Joel Gator Warsh. Dr. Joel Warsh, aka Dr. Joel Gator, is the creator of the popular parenting Instagram account, Dr. Joe Gator, and he is a board-certified pediatrician in Los Angeles, California, who specializes in parenting, wellness, and integrative medicine. He has been featured in numerous documentaries, films, summits, podcasts, articles, including CBS, Fox, LA Parent, Mind, Body Green, and so many more. Dr. Joel is also the founder of the Parenting Masterclass series, Raising Amazing, which could be found at RaisingAmazingPlus.com. Dr. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, me too. So you are a very accomplished pediatrician. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know if I'm very accomplished, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> so for for me, you know, I did, well, when it comes to integrated medicine, that's what people always ask me about and what is integrated pediatrics. So I did all the regular pediatric training. I'm a pediatrician. I train at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, but for me, I got a little bit frustrated with the, the regular system and super short visits, medications for everything all the time. So that's what led me to start learning about integrative medicine and natural medicine. I'm not against Western medicine at all. I say this all the time. I'm not against it. We have amazing technologies that can save your life. Medications can save your life. But I just feel like we overuse medicine too much these days and we're too quick to jump to a medication and there isn't nearly enough focus on holistic health. There are a lot of ways that we can manage and support the body that aren't just a medication. And so I try to bring those in as much as we can. And I also try to focus on prevention because chronic disease is such a huge issue these days in children. And we're just seeing the numbers skyrocket, go up and up and up. And we don't really seem to be talking about that enough. And we're not talking about the foundations of health, like our diet, sleep, exercise, stress levels, our mental health. It's it's a lot of, you know, here's a problem, here's the solution. And not a lot of prevention or thinking about why the problem is getting so much worse. And so that to me is what I'm passionate about and, and, and what I love to talk about. Well, now I'm just going to jump in here and it's totally off topic. Why do you think they're getting worse? I think they're getting worse because, well, several reasons. I think we're, again, we're not focused on the foundations of our health and we're surrounded by so many toxins these days that our body just can't handle them. And we're not getting the nutrients that we need to support ourselves and, and build our, our bodies in the way that we need. I mean, we're literally built of what we eat. And the food that we're eating these days is just so crappy. I mean, you think about it, even if you're eating something healthy, it can half the time it comes from across the world. It's been picked two weeks early and sprayed in a bunch of chemicals, sent across the world, sits in your store, you pick it up, you eat it a week later, like those nutrients are gone, even if they were there in the first place, but it's been mass produced. So they don't have the nutrients that they, they used to. I mean, we used to eat off the land, off of what was around us. And now that's not what we're 
doing and we're spraying these things in chemicals we're being exposed to a lot of chemicals so how do we expect our bodies to function if they're not built to the things that we need and they're surrounded by super chemicals valid point <laughs> valid point so my, my my other sort of random question where does the gator come from dr joel gator so it's actually from my wife. Her last name is Intelligator. So people started making a joke like Dr. Gator, haha, and it, it kind of stuck. People think it's a Florida thing. It's not a Florida thing. I grew up in Toronto. Nothing against Florida, but it's a it's a wife thing. That's <laughs> really cute. I actually thought it was a Florida thing. So thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> so on Instagram, a few weeks ago, you had posted a post that really caught my eye. And it made me think like, oh, I need to talk to Dr. Joel about this. It was a study from the Sapien Labs about screen time and its addictive properties. Can you walk us through that a bit? Yeah, so that it was a study that caught a lot of attention in the media because it was actually a really good study from best we can tell in terms of having a lot of uh, participants. It was like almost 30,000 participants, young adults who were discussing their mental health as well as their smartphone use and when they got a a smartphone, which was a really interesting piece of this. And what was amazing about it, what was interesting about it, I I don't think it's that surprising, but it was, you know, I think crazy to hear was the younger the age at which these kids, now young adults, received their cell phone, the worse their mental health was. And that was across the board in terms of like suicidal thoughts feelings of aggression, sense of detachment from reality, especially with young young girls. It was worse than young girls' age range in terms of mental health. And so this really caught my eye because I've been saying this for a while, and I think a lot of people have been saying this for a while, that we have a huge problem when it comes to, to social media, and we have a huge problem when it comes to cell phones and screen times. And I just don't think we're identifying it as such a big problem, but when we're looking at the mental health crisis that we have in in America and across the world, we have to look towards solutions that are actionable. And certainly cell phones and screen time are something that we we can do something about. We, we We have a lot of control over when we give our kids a phone, when they start being on that phone, what they're doing on that phone and, and their access to, to social media. And I think that's something that we really have to think hard around in our country and think about, what we value in terms of screen time versus being outside, what we value in terms of the rules and regulations that we're going to impose upon our kids. Because I'm not a proponent of, of no screen time. I don't, I don't think that's right either. And I don't think that, that we should keep our kids away from all technology. That's not realistic. But I do think that we have to start to become aware of this issue and, and discuss it. And, and in the, in the post, I talked about cigarettes and making the comparison between those two things. And, and many years ago, doctors were recommending cigarettes. We thought cigarettes were a great thing. And then you know, over time, we started to realize the, the cancer risk and, and the other health risks that come along with, with smoking. And so the shift in health and wellness and parenting and, and our own health in general was, okay, we should start to move away from this and put some rules and regulations. doesn't mean you can't smoke if you want to, you can, but we should at least understand what those risks are and, and see what we can do as a society to decrease those risks. And I do think that with social media and cell phones, especially when it comes to young kids and teens, we are going to need to do a little bit more to protect them. Yeah. How, how young are we talking here? So 
we're talking, I mean, some kids that are young as five, six, seven, eight get cell phones these days. I mean, kids can get them at any age. I, I think we're talking, when we're talking about the studies, it's more about the teen years. So like 10, you know, tweens and teens, like 10 to 13 would be kind of one age range. And then 13 to maybe 15, 16, 17 would, would be another range. So the, the study was mostly in these young, young adults. That's where I think a lot of the discussion and questions really need to come in is, is like, what age should we give our kids a cell phone to? Should they have a cell phone? Should they have access to the internet? Because I have posted about this before, and a lot of parents, or a, a chunk of parents get upset when you talk about this because they talk about safety. And they say, well, you know, my kid needs to have a phone because it's not safe for them not to have a phone, or my kid needs to have a phone because I need them, I need to be able to get a hold of them. So I get that part. I, I think that, that's an unreasonable fear, an unreasonable thing to say. But there is a lot of middle ground there, and there are a lot of cell phone companies now that are offering cell phones so you have access to call in an emergency but you don't necessarily have access to the internet or social media or things like that and to me that is the best solution i think if you if you don't want to give your kid a phone i think that's reasonable until whatever age you can hold off based on the research but if you do feel like they need to have a phone or they really want a phone and they've worn you down past the point where you just can't say no anymore then i don't think it's unreasonable to give them a phone without the potential to have access to social media and that would minimize any of these risks in terms of mental health, I think. Yeah. So let's sort of like walk through the different uses of a phone, right? Like obviously there's social media and, you know, they could be on Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram. I'm sure they're not on Facebook because <laughs> that's a generational thing. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Or like texting with their friends. So in that study, was there a delineation between social media and then using a phone to text? I don't believe there was. I mean, it, it might have been in the, in the fine print somewhere. I don't remember ever reading that from the research in the study. I think it was just the main thing that they were looking at was the age at which you received the smartphone or tablet. And then that correlating with mental health, I don't think they broke it down by what people were doing, because presumably they'd be doing all of it, right? If, if you had a smartphone, then you would presumably be, I'm sure, texting and calling and doing, you know, being on social media. So it's, it'd probably be hard to break down unless you were doing that upfront and kind of separating people by groups. So I'm assuming they, they did it all. But I think that it's a very valid question. But at least from what I've seen, I think a lot of the concern is more around social media and that dopamine hit that you get from scrolling consistently and the need to just constantly be on, to be watching other people, to be seeing what they're doing, to be in a, you know, somewhat of a fantasy world because things on social media are not always exactly true or feeling like you're missing out at all times. And so that from that study, but then other studies that I have seen in the past, it, it seems to be social media is, is the biggest concern. And, and technically, you're not supposed to be on social media at that age anyways. I mean, it's they're supposed to be like 13, 14, before you even are allowed to have an account. It's not that there's a rigorous you know, program <laughs> to block you from getting on if you're younger, but it's, it's not very hard to change your age. But technically, you're not even allowed to. And and you also look at the tech tech moguls, the, the people that run these companies, and almost all of them don't let their kids use it, right? So that should tell you something. Yes, I've always thought that, you know, just by the sheer fact that Steve Jobs didn't let his own kids have smartphones. That should definitely tell you something. We, we know that you, you get this dopamine hit, right? You get this euphoric feeling from scrolling, and we have very short attention spans now. Some studies talk about, like, three-minute attention spans, maybe 10-minute attention spans, especially in the younger generation. So we are the new, like, the TikTok generation of this, like, scrolling and Instagram, and, and that is where we get our sometimes our validation from sometimes where we get this dopamine hit from 
And it's a big problem because once you're exposed to it, especially as a young, a younger child who your brain is still developing, you're certainly more susceptible to all sorts of things when it comes to mental health. I mean, we're, we're seeing that. It's not that adults are doing great with mental health either, right? Where everyone's having an issue with this, but certainly for our, our teens and, and tweens, they're, they're not, they haven't seen enough of the world. They haven't lived long enough and, and things can seem a lot bigger than even they, they really are because they just haven't experienced enough yet. And so you're, you're really susceptible at that age to mental health concerns. And, and that's what they saw. I mean, the younger that you were, the more chance you had of committing suicide. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? And, and it's very clear. And that's not, this is not the only study to show this. So we need to take notice of this. And parents need to be aware of this. And I, I think and I hope that just by talking about it, it will give parents the strength to say no. Because it's, I'm sure it's very hard. I don't have a teen or a tween. My my guy is three and a half years old, so I haven't had to deal with this yet. I know he loves like the cell phone and screens and just obviously have his own. But like, you know, it's, I think it's just a part of our world now. But I imagine the conversations with a 12-year-old who is the only child who doesn't have a cell phone in their class or the only person who doesn't have access to Instagram or something like that. It's probably very, very, very difficult. And so the more that parents can see this, then I feel the more that they will stand their ground for as long as they possibly can. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to give your child it, but but the research shows the longer you wait, the better it is for them. So if you can hold out till 13 instead of 10, that's better. You can hold till 14 instead of 13, that's better. And we, again, have a mental health crisis. COVID did not help that. It made it a lot worse. It was already a problem before, but now it's it's definitely a disaster. And we need to find ways, again, coming back to what we can do. We need to find ways to help the situation and cell phones and social media is an easy way that we can make a big difference by just minimizing the use for young kids and getting them off of that and finding other ways to get those dopamine hits like exercising, getting outside, being around friends, doing things, because it's just so easy to be on your phone. It's so easy to get that dopamine hit and you don't have to do anything for it. You just sit there and you, you scroll and you, you move your finger, but there are other ways to do it. And and we all grew up without phones. So you don't need it when you're 12. It's just you know, there's some nice things to it too. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned dopamine hits a couple times. I'm going to ask you as a as a doctor, can you explain the physiology of that? Like, why is it so important for us to help our children not get addicted to those dopamine hits? Yeah, so dopamine, it's a neurotransmitter. It's one of the the major neurotransmitters in our brain, along with like serotonin, it's, it's thought of as like the feel good, you know, chemical in our brain. And we have these pathways in our brain, I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I, I think just from a very basic standpoint, we, we have these pathways. And when we feel good, or something makes us feel good, then we get a release of dopamine, a lot of drugs, and medications work on those similar pathways. And that's why people get addicted. And so especially when it comes to these short acting addictions, like 
with dopamine, you you do something, you get this dopamine hit, it floods it floods the the neuro the neurotransmitter floods in your synapses, causes a euphoric feeling, and then it's something that you want. So then you continually want to feel that higher. You want to feel uh, good in the way that you do when you get this dopamine hit. So it's something you have to do over and over and over again. And it also just like with a lot of drugs, the more that you do something, the more that it, you have to increase like a medication or you have to do more to get that same feeling over and over again. And so you get in this addictive cycle where you feel like you need it. And so that's why you know, sometimes when you're sitting there watching TV, sometimes you feel like you just need to scroll on your phone and you're subconsciously wanting that dopamine hit or that euphoric feeling. And just like cigarettes, just like drugs, social media, screen time, it's one of the major places that we're getting our, our dopamine hits from. And the companies know this. I've, I've watched documentaries. I've seen you know, videos. I've, I've read papers on this topic. And the companies are aware of it. Social media companies know that this is how we get a dopamine hit. Just like when you're in a casino and you're you know, playing roulette or playing the, you know, playing the slots. Like they know that the noise, the feeling, the quick excitement, that gives you this dopamine hit. And that is how we get addicted to things. And that's one of the reasons why I compare it to cigarettes because it, it is a similar similar pathway or, or I think maybe even the slot machine is, is maybe even more comparable to scrolling. But you just, you get that flood of these chemicals that make you feel good. And then you want it again and you want it again. And you don't really notice it, especially when it comes to scrolling because it's not like a huge release like you would get from, from taking a drug. It's more of a small amount, but it's this small feelings of happiness and and because people are on their phone so much this is where people are getting it from these days instead of other places like like exercise or being outside or being around friends and so if you don't have it then you feel like you need it and you want to get back on your phone and you feel like you need to scroll again and so that's where it can be really dangerous for kids and teens or, or adults as well because you get in this cycle and you just have to be on your phone all the time and now if you look at the data it's like people are on their phone for hours a day hours you, you may spend a day to two days per week of your awake time on your phone. Like, it's crazy, the statistics now. I mean, a full day every week, you're on your phone. That's, that's a, a wild amount of time. If you really think about it, you might be doing other things at the same time. But, but that's the numbers that we're, we're seeing. And we're giving away our power and our energy and our time to devices as opposed to living in the, the quote-unquote real world and exercising and doing the things that we need for our body. So, again, it's it's... There are some good things you can do on social media, but if you're doing that and replacing exercising, then you're not going to be healthy. And if you're not spending the time to cook yourself a good meal and eat healthy food because you're spending too much time on social media, then you're not going to be healthy. And I think we are crossing those boundaries now where people are spending so much time on their phones and getting so much of the dopamine hits from their phone that they're not seeking it in other places. And I think that's a problem. Yeah. What do you say to your patients and to their, to their families? If, if someone came to you and said, you know, I think my child is addicted to Roblox or, you know, their tablet, you know, what are some things, actionable things that parents can do? The biggest thing that they could do is to remember that they're still parents, especially if their kids are, are younger and you can make rules and set boundaries. And uh, I think, these days, we're forgetting that a little bit. Parents are afraid of their kids sometimes and afraid to set boundaries. And and sometimes you just have to push back and you have to give them, I give them permission to push back, especially with the younger kids. It's harder as they get, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18. You can still do it, but it's just harder. But especially when you're talking, I think, in terms of the like eight-year-olds to 12 or 13-year-olds, 
you have to set boundaries. I think it's okay to set boundaries. You can set an amount of time to be on the phone. You can have them place their phone outside of their room when they're in there. So, you know, you don't sleep with it in, in your room. You don't want it to be by their head or, or there all night, because if it's, if it's accessible, they're going to use it. If it's not accessible, they're not. So you can kind of move it outside of their room and you can use, you know, a reward system. You can give them more time if they're doing certain other things. You can encourage them to get involved in other things. Because I think also sometimes we forget that when we are excited about something else, we don't necessarily want to do the, the first thing, right? So sometimes you have to replace one habit with another. And if, if they don't have anything that they love, then it's easier to just get that dopamine hit from, from being on your phone. And it's, it's just easier. Right? It's easier to sit down and just scroll than it, than it is to go outside and, and do something or find a plan or, or go out with some friends. And so if that's an option, you know, try to encourage your kids to do it. Encourage them to go to the store with you. Encourage them to cook with you. Go for a walk as a family. Try to send them up for a sport or an activity or, or whatever it is, a pottery class. I don't know. what Each kid is different, so you have to figure out what, what they're going to want to do. But, but fill their time with other things, and then they're not able to, to scroll on their phone. So I think that's the biggest thing that, that I, I tried to share with parents. But maybe bigger than that is just setting boundaries. I, I think we have to be okay with setting boundaries and being okay and, and have discussions with them. I mean, you have to have discussions about the problems that we're seeing with cell phones, the risks that come with that to mental health. I, I think it's okay in age appropriate language to discuss these things with them and just tell them like, this is how we feel. This is what we want. This is what we do in our house. I know other people do it differently, but we're not going to be on our phone all day. We're not going to scroll our phone while watching TV. You know, you're going to go outside. You're going to do these activities. We're going to eat this food and, and, you know, sorry, you're not going to have your own cell phone or it's, your cell phone's going to not have access to that. And at least then they're only on their screens when they're doing like on their computer or their tablet and not just on their phone too. I mean, they're already going to be on enough anyways. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say about like a digital detox or like a dopamine detox? Do you think that we should sort of like go through periods where we could kind of like, I don't know, flush out the dopamine. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm, if that sounds yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, I, it, it does not sound crazy. I think that's, idealistic it would be amazing for people to do that i think that's hard i feel like trying to get a 12 or 13 year old to not be on their phone for like a week would be very hard but certainly reasonable and doable i mean if you can do it if you can go up to the mountains maybe you can go on a camping trip where there isn't service just to be away from it because i i feel like sometimes if we get away from it then we realize how little we need it sometimes if i just put my phone down it's harder for me because as a doctor, people message me and then I have to respond to them. But I do try as much as I can to be away from my phone for as long as I can. And the longer that I'm away from it, the more the more happy that I am <laughs> doing other things. And I, and I think other people would be the same way. And I think for kids, they often, they may forget. I mean, if you're so used to being on your phone for so long, then maybe you do that as a family. Like, okay, we're going to do it together. You have to do it too, though. You can't expect your kids to be off their phone if you're not. And maybe you do a week trip where you don't have your phone. One of the tricks that that was taught to me a long time ago that I I always try to recommend is even if it's not like you're mentioning like a detox fully, you can set up some times during the day where you're not allowed to be on your screen. So for example, dinner time, you can say there's no phones at the table. We're not going to be on any screens. We're going to have one hour. There's no screen time here. Right after you wake up, you know, no phones. Once you go into your room, you know, your phone doesn't go in your room. It gets turned off. So at least you have these these periods of the day where you're where you have no phones and that's a good place to start because I think that a teen is going to be much more likely to not 
be on their phone for an hour than never. They'll probably be like, okay, fine. You know, they're not going to like it, but <laughs> they'll probably do it. And it's more realistic. And even if you cut that one hour, okay, that's something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely noticed going back to what you were saying about, you know, when we put our phones away or our screens away and we're present with each other and we have fun together. Those are the best times. Those are the best memories. Like you said, if you go camping, go to the beach or something and you don't have your phone at the beach or camping, then you're just like in it and you're there. And and there's something so special about that and so memorable about that. Those are absolutely far and away my favorite days. Yeah. I would, for me, I mean, I get asked this all the time about like, what would I do? What would I do for myself? And personally, if I wasn't a doctor, if I didn't need to have access to my patients, my patients didn't need to message me, I probably would not keep my phone with me at all. I mean, maybe just in the car or something like that, just, just in case for an emergency. But I think overall social media is bad. I think there are some good aspects to it. And if it's used right and you curate your feed to be really happy and you look at like videos of puppies and architecture and traveling and whatever, you can, you can curate a feed to be great. But I, I think that a lot of people curate their feed in a way where it makes them upset. And, and, and that's not very productive. I think that the continuous clicks and need for likes, I think that's a bad thing. I would much prefer not to have social media personally. I think that's a big part of the world and you kind of need it if you want to do anything and get your message out there. So I get the, the benefit of it. But to me, I would rather have none of it. I would rather it just go away and be able to just be a doctor and, and not have to deal with it anymore. I know it's a possible thing you can do, but it's not super realistic if you want to be involved these days. But that's just my personal opinion. I don't think it's a good thing. And I, I think that any parent that keeps away from their kids, I think that's fine. I think that's a reasonable thing. And most of those kids in general, based on the research, do better. They certainly have better mental health. So if you think that them getting frustrated with you is, is going to give them worse mental health, that's not what the research shows. The research shows the kids that don't have it do better in terms of their mental health long term. So it's a short term pain versus long term gain. And I, I do very strongly think that we are going to move much more in that direction. There are countries around the world that shut off their social media at night. So like kids can't be on it past 10 o'clock. There are other things that are being implemented. And I, I do think that in the next few years, we're going to start to catch up, but we're, we're quite slow with these things. Yeah. I feel like the U S <laughs> is always sort of behind on that sort of stuff. My hope is that those rules are in place by the time my son is a teenager. So I guess we'll find out. We'll see. He's but 10 the other now. things anyway. That's yeah, true. well, it'll be like, then you'll have like virtual reality, whateverness and AI getting on. Yeah. You can't talk to your AI all day, son. <laughs> you know what's actually funny? No joke. He actually has an iPad and he does chat with an AI that he created on this particular website. So it's interesting that you say that because my son has done that. There's like character AIs based off of books that he loves. And so he could talk with the characters in the books. I'm I'm sh- I'm sure by the time that our kids are grown up, we're gonna have robots. They'll have you know holographic AI. They'll have thing. I mean, they'll be the same thing, but it'll be a little bit more animated. I I, I can't imagine that won't be the case in like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> five ten years. You know, what I, I wanted see. to ask you. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I wanted to ask you as a doctor about posture. You know, we're talking about screen time, and obviously, we're talking about like dopamine hits, but like. Also, I worry about the children's, I know this sounds like makes me sound like old fashioned or something like that. I'm not, I don't care about posture from like a manners perspective. I care about like ergonomics. So like, what, what's your thought on that? Like, how can we help our kids not be hunchbacks? 
Right. No, that's a great question. It's for sure an issue. I mean, I, I've, I've read studies on that as well. And our posture is getting worse and worse because obviously you're, you're hunched over, you're on your screens, you're on your phone. I mean, this is a problem for adults and kids. And so the best thing to do is just to recognize that and then to try to do things to help strengthen your back muscles. So that way you work on your posture and obviously not being on screens is going to be the best for that, but that's probably not realistic for anybody. So thinking about holding, you know, if you're holding your phone, holding it up higher or having screens that are a little bit higher, so you're not always hunched over. There are all sorts of ergonomic contraptions. I don't, I don't know them all, but I mean, obviously you can just go online and, and find things that are a little better for your ergonomics or stand up desks that people have that can kind of convert. So I think those things are great, but at the end of the day, probably it's, it's doing things like yoga, exercise, strength training, going to the gym, working on the other muscles, because when you're doing, you know, when you're hunched forward, when you're doing this, we're on a podcast, you can't see. So when you're, when you're hunched forward, right, then you are working those muscles and not your back muscles as much. You have to balance out by working the other muscles. So that way you can keep your posture strong and keep yourself you know, straight up as opposed to being hunched forward. And I do believe that those exercises will be very helpful for the, these generations because otherwise we're all going to be hunchbacked. And, and I think there's probably going to be a huge issue in old age for elderly of, of being more hunchback. It's already an issue, but I think that's going to be a much, much bigger issue for, for generations, given this is what we're doing. I mean, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing, but I, I think we can minimize our risks by being mindful of that. And if you're noticing that your posture is a little forward, your kids are a little forward, then get them working on back exercises, get them into yoga, or at least try to, you know, you can YouTube it, right? YouTube some videos for your back and, and, and then just do them at home for five minutes. And that's probably going to be enough just to at least prevent some of the issues. Sure. That's helpful. Thank you. I appreciate that. I try to be mindful about it myself, but I always worry about my son's neck or his back because I'm like, oh, I don't want him to have neck problems unnecessarily or prematurely. Uh, we're just going to de-evolve a little bit more hunch, hunchback again, I guess. That's, that's just going to be like the future, the future evolution of human, a little like bigger thumbs and uh, a little forward. Yes. <laughs> like in that, you know, classic illustration of the evolution of man. Right, right. Exactly. We're going to, we're, we're up and then we're going to be slightly down again. Exactly. That's how I envision but bigger it. Thumbs, much bigger thumbs. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Joel, you gave so many wonderful insights. Tell everyone where we can find you. Well, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. And uh, you can find me probably the easiest places at Dr. Joel Gator on Instagram or at uh, www.raisingamazingplus.com. I have a lot of great programs there, including a natural parenting program. So talking to parents who are a little bit more naturally minded that want to navigate the medical system and just kind of a balanced approach to that. Some holistic pediatrics programs, a pregnancy and newborn programs, all sorts of different stuff if you're interested. That's wonderful. Excellent. Everybody go check them out. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.